What's going on, everyone? This is Matt Weirich alongside Kevin Haswell, and welcome to another episode of the Visitors Bullpen. We've officially hit the teens now. Yep. It's been now three months since we started the show. We're having a lot of fun with it, keeping going. Um, as you guys have noticed, we've switched to Periscope. Um, the last couple episodes had a few technical difficulties figuring out our class schedules and everything. Yep. But noon on to Thursdays, Thursdays <laughs> is now going to be the uh, official time. We'll be starting every week, at least for this semester. We'll reevaluate re over Christmas and next semester. But until then, Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, I'm, I'm kind of sad because I'm at the point in the, in the Major League Baseball season where I see a Philly score at the end of the day and I, I see a loss and I'm kind of happy, you know. We're getting closer to that end of the season and the standings start to matter for the draft next year. So, um, you know, Philly's one of the worst teams in baseball. I'm hoping they keep it up, get a first the first overall pick and have a great rebuild. Um, I got a trivia question to start the day for you. All right, hit me. So, name four outfielders in baseball right now. Name the four outfielders in baseball that have a 300 batting average, 400 on base, and 500 slugging. Outfielders. Outfielders. Um, With qualified at bats. Let's say, does Trout qualify? Yes, okay. Trout qualifies. Trout won. Trout is one of them. Okay. Um, trying to think. NL outfield. Stanton's not above 300 yet. Um, definitely on the rise. Justin Upton? Nope. Um, one of them's on the Nats. One of them's on the Nats. Qualifying outfitter, Harper? Yeah. Is he still qualified? Okay. He is qualified. All right, that's two. Um, I know West Dodgers. Bellinger? Oh, outfielder. Well, does Bellinger count as an outfielder? Nope. Okay, no. Um... I will give you the third, but the fourth you will not get. Give me a hint for the third. Rockies. Rockies. Oh, um, Blackman. Yep, that's okay. three. Fourth one, plays in the NL Central. Not on the Cubs. Not Kutch or... Not on the Pirates. Not on the Pirates. Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham. Yep. One of the four outfielders. Uh, shout out to Justin Copeland for giving me that trivia question earlier today. Big Cardinals fan. So. Uh, yeah, exciting. And I'm excited to get into our topics today. So let's get started. Cool. Yeah, we got some fun ones for you. Um, we're going to start off with an article that was pretty hot on ESPN yesterday right on their front page. Is Albert Pujols the worst player in baseball? He currently has the worst war in the league, which he is one of – he's actually – Posed to be the first player in MLB history to at one point lead the league in war and then later uh, have the worst war in the league. So that's a pretty significant record in itself. Um, on the season, Pujols is hitting only, was it, 232, 278, 387. Um, has a ton of RBIs. He's hitting third in the lineup, though, with you know Mike Trout hitting second. There's no reason why he wouldn't be driving yeah. in runs even if he is hitting only 230. So... The power hasn't been what it's been in past years. I mean, he does have 21 homers, but, I mean, from a guy that's hit 47, 46 in a season, um, this really has been a down year for him. I mean, he's 37 years old. Uh, Kevin, what's your take on Do you think he really is the worst player in the league? Well, first I want to say it's just sad. a sad day for the game of baseball. That One of the, one of the greatest players of this decade, um, even since, like, 2000, uh, we're talking about as one of the worst players in baseball. Uh, I don't know if you can put him in the category – as one of the worst players in baseball, I understand the war concerns. Doesn't play the field, DH, feet are hurting him. Uh, only a 232 average, but 
I don't think you can be categorized as one of the worst players in baseball if you're driving in 83 runs. It's not easy. It's not an easy feat. It's not some. It's not a walk. In but the I mean, park. you you could put Joey and, Gallo in there. You could put yeah, in a ton of guys and, who are. And like we've talked about in past episodes, Joey Gallo is actually a very valuable player. Yes, because he has what thirty five home runs. I mean, but his RBI and, totals and in his, there because he's his, not hitting in that spot. And you know, his OPS hitting, is in the mid eight hundreds or close to nine hundred. So, I I understand where you're coming from with that, but you know, you look you look at these numbers: twenty one home runs, eighty three RBIs. I. I know those are just counting numbers, and they don't mean as much as when you really dive in like WAR and OPS. But I just don't think we should be at that point yet with Albert Pujols. I think maybe next year. I mean, like if you look back last year, thirty-one home runs, one hundred nineteen runs batted in. Year before that, forty home runs. I mean, he's still a formidable first baseman slash DH. I, I don't think it's time for him to be considered his one of the His 80 players. strikeouts this season is already the second highest total in his career, only short of his rookie season. He's grounded into the most double plays in MLB history and leads that category this year uh, in all of the American League. That's so, got, that, well, that's got to be because of his feet. You know, I mean, over the past couple of seasons... But that's, that makes him a worse player. That makes him a worse player. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But it's not because you know he's hitting slow ground balls. It's also it's, it's any ground ball he hits... Is a double play, but he's also hitting a ton of ground balls. Yeah, that's fair. That's and fair. but at the same time, I mean, like you said, he's the DH. He provides no defensive value, mm-hmm. um, but he, it's all because he's hitting third. I mean, he he has Anderson Simmons uh, in that lineup. He has Mike Trout in that lineup. Cole Calhoun is actually pretty underrated, having a bit of a down year, but still they got some decent hitters around him, you know. And that's that's why he's driving in runs. It's because he's got the players around him. It's not a result of what he's doing. I mean, when you have the worst le- war in the league. Like, no, war is not a perfect stat, and I'm not saying that, you know, maybe even if he's not the worst player, he is still in that conversation. And I think what really puts him over the edge for me is the fact of how much money he's being paid. I mean, he has one of the richest contracts in baseball. He's 37, and yet he's still being paid upwards of 30, or it's $26 million for this season. I mean, that's what truly makes him, you know, the worst player in baseball to me is because he's... In terms of what he's being paid, like his value is so far down that not only is he hurting the Angels on the field, but he's also hurting them in the wallets. And that's really what hurts them is all these, you know, expiring contracts. We talked about teams like the Orioles and the Tigers that have a lot of old deals and no prospects. Well, Albert Poole is a big, you know, big part of that. He's owed so much money. He's 37. He's still got a few more years left in the deal. I mean, they're really locked down with him at this point. And, you know, it sucks because he has one, a former MVP, won three MVPs, one of the greatest players we've ever seen play the game. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's he's definitely up there. Yeah, I mean, I think you can put him in the conversation. Well, not even in the conversation. I think by far he's the worst first baseman in all of baseball. I know he doesn't play first base. He, he's the worst DH in baseball. But you have to think about it this way. I know he has the worst war, and like you said, it's not the most perfect fat, stat in the world. But there are players that are worse than him. You could you could do worse than Albert Pujols right now, where which I know War doesn't was doesn't say that, but I th- I still think you can do worse. I don't think he's the worst player in baseball. He's bottom five percent, not very valuable, but not the worst, not the worst. And and it's sad for the Angels because you know you look at they have to pay him twenty seven million next year, twenty eight the next, twenty nine the next. And then in 2021, after that season, he becomes a free agent, but they still owe him $30 million that year. They also have to pay him $10 million for the 10-year contract after that season, too. So 
the earliest he can actually become a free agent is 2022, which, which he'll retire by then, maybe yeah. over 40. Yeah, but it's just it's insane with with how old he is, you know, and how much money he's owed. There's not much hope for him. Like a lot of these players you talk about that are in that that bottom five, mm-hmm. you know, percent of worst players. Like a lot of them are younger players. Or, you know, middle of the pack, maybe in the middle of their primes and they just aren't panning out. But there's still hope for the future. With Pujols, you have seen a steady decline year after year. And maybe if he isn't the worst player right now, the fact that we're having this conversation with him still having, what, three, four years on his deal? I mean, look what the Angels are going to be dealing with three, four years down the line if he doesn't decide to retire. And, I mean, why would he when he's owed that much money? I mean, I'd still go out on the field if I'm hitting 20 bombs and hitting 230. I'm sure sure it won't won't be easy for them to send him down to the minor leagues. They can't. Yeah, they have to waive him, right? Yeah, and they would just have to pay him the money similar to what the Red Sox did with Pablo Sandoval. So they're going to have to – the Angels are either going to have to cut ties with him or – and it's very sad because he's only – 61 hits away from 3,000 and uh, just got the 600 home run mark. So, you know, uh, one of the best hitters of this decade, even the last 20 years, is now being labeled as one of the worst players in baseball. The fact that Sosa still trots him out hitting third every day, what that tells me is, I mean, I haven't looked really into their prospects that much. I mean, considering their farm system's horrible, it's not really surprising that no one really knows who is tomorrow. But... You know, that tells me they don't really have any prospects that are ready to step into his shoes. So they're going to keep trotting him out there anyway. I mean, they'd like to get more out of him, but it's not like they really have a choice. They're going to be paying this guy. They might as well use him to fill up a roster spot. I mean, I think hitting him third is a mistake. If this is an Angels team that's trying to compete and, you know, make it back into that wild card race. But as far as Pools' job security, he's he's got a lockdown, and I don't, don't see him letting go of him anytime soon. And it's really sad because, you know, they signed him to this big 10-year deal, and since 2012, he hasn't had an OPS over 800. So most DHs in the American League at least have an OPS over 800. They have the slugging percentage high enough to get to that mark, and it's just it's really sad that his career has come to this point. But, you know, he is... Um, 37 years old, so, I mean, he had to he had to stop hitting at some point, and we've gotten there. Yeah, I mean, with the balls flying out of the park right now, like they've been, it's kind of surprising that a power hitter like Pujols isn't, you know, having a career resurgence. Um, but just as Pujols is struggling with the long ball, so are some teams, and a big one is the Boston Red Sox, who rank fourth lowest home run total in Major League Baseball right now. They don't really have a clear-cut power hitter. They've got a lot of contact. They get on base steal some bags, but overall they're a team that, you know, doesn't rely on the home run to score runs, which can be good, but at the same time, home runs certainly, you know, help drive in the yeah, runs and definitely. You know, some of the best offensive teams in history are built from home run hitters. So, uh, Kevin, what do you think, do you think that's going to hurt them down the line or do you think that reliance on contact can actually prove to be their, to their advantage? Uh, I, I don't, I don't see a problem with it because when you really go down the lineup, Dustin Pedroia is hitting over 300 this year. Um, I know he's on the DL right now, but then Tell guys like sir. guys like Ben Attendee still hitting 275. Uh, Bogart's definitely a better hitter than 273. Uh, same with Mookie Betts hitting 263. I'm not too worried because they have power in their lineups, and when it comes to the playoffs, anything can happen. And I wouldn't be scared about trotting out Bogart's, Betts, Ben Attendee, Bradley, Hanley, all those guys. That that sounds like a formidable playoff. Lineup, so I, it doesn't scare me. Um, their leader in home runs right now is Hanley Ramirez with 21, and then you got Mitchie Tubax with with 18. So 
I don't find a problem with it. Um, I know today's game is all about the long ball and and such, but this lineup can hit up and down, and when the playoffs come around, if they're hot, they're they're as good as it comes. I agree to some extent. What worries me is they don't like obviously batting average is not the be all end all stat, but they own their only three hundred hitter right now is Eduardo Nunez, who's only played in thirty games for them this yeah. year. So all the guys that have spent the entire season with them, even Devers is hitting below three. That's two ninety four. Um, other than that, you've got Vasquez, catcher, who's only played in seventy eight games, is hitting two ninety four as well. Um, that's a little concerning. You know, Mookie Betts is not having the year that a lot of people thought he had. It kind of reminds me of what Carlos Correa did last year. Yeah. A lot of people were expecting MVP kind of numbers. Um, and he, he's still been a very good player. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But at the same time, you know, when you're in the MVP conversation to start the year and you kind of fall off, people are going to look at you a little bit differently. So that's kind of what Betts' season has been like this year. Obviously, they're getting a little bit more out of Hanley Ramirez than a lot would have thought a couple years ago. Xander Bogarts is a very underrated middle infielder. They've got some good hitters, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it's just a little concerning that they don't have anyone to you know knock those guys in because I've yeah. seen uh, teams pass where you know they'll get first two guys on and then three straight strikeouts or you know can't drive in they'll drive in one run but can't capitalize on you know two extra ba- uh, runners left on base so you know that's what I fear can happen to the Red Sox in the playoffs I mean they're a streaky team for a reason you know and I feel like a lot of it's been you know either the rotation hasn't been able to stay healthy or it's been their offense unable to you know finish the job. Yeah, and like you just spoke about, the strikeouts are also kind of concerning. When you look at Bogart's 97 strikeouts and 519 at-bats, then you go down the line, Mitch Moreland, over 100 strikeouts. Same with Jackie Bradley. I mean, in the playoffs, you can't have that happen. You can't have two guys on, a guy come come up and strike out. So, uh, like, like I said before, I'm not worried about the Red Sox. They got the division lead, the Yankees, you know, cooling off as of late. Um... And, and I don't think they really have a chance at the best record in the American League right now. I think it's the Indians and the Astros mm-hmm. um, going at it. But this lineup doesn't concern me one like one bit going into the playoffs. I, I don't think, barring any injuries, and if, if Jackie Bradley comes back completely healthy and Pejoria comes back, mm-hmm. that, that's a dangerous lineup kind of playoffs. And I, I'm, I'm not too worried about the home runs. What just worries me is a little bit is that, like, some of these players are only really well-known because they're playing for Boston. And so, you know, like, you look at some of these guys, like Hanley Ramirez's name carries a lot of weight, but he's only hitting two fifty. And yes, he has 20 bombs, but he hasn't really been, he's not the ha- vintage Hanley Ramirez. And I mean, no one's expecting him to be, but, you know, you'll see Hanley in the lineup and you're like, all right, that, that's that's a safe spot. Moreland's been okay, um, not, you know, super well-known player yeah. um, and by Boston standards, but it, up and down, it's a good lineup, but it just doesn't scare me. I think that you look at the Indians lineup who added Jay Bruce. You know, that was something I think the Red Sox might have needed to look into was, you know, getting that big bat. Yeah. Bruce has been fantastic. And another yeah, big right. move has been J.D. Martinez for the Diamondbacks. I think he's had 11 home runs for them since being acquired. You can't underrate the Edwin Encarnacion. I mean, he's he's starting to heat up now over 30 home runs. So, I mean, the Indians have a powerful lineup. And Francisco Lindor is yeah. pretty underrated in the power department as well. Exactly. So, I, you know, I, I just am not scared by the lineup. I think it's a good lineup. And I think if their pitchers come to play, yeah. they'll be okay. But at the same time... You know, I'd be scared if I were them, you know, going up against the Indians or against the uh, Astros because those are some good lineups. Yeah, I mean, I I understand where you're coming from. It doesn't concern me. But then I, I started to look at the numbers, and they don't have one player 
on their roster with an OPS over 800. That's that's very concerning when it comes to you know hitting the ball into the gaps, hitting the ball over the fence. Um, the highest OPS on the team is is Ben Attendee, and he's only hitting 275 with a 790 OPS. Um, their OPS pluses they have no one over 110, mm-hmm. so no one's elite, no one's more than 10 percent better than the average player. So, I mean they they have had a mediocre season. I think the David Ortiz retiring has really hurt them. Yeah, definitely. but um, you know I. I give them some time. I think I think September, if we, we get towards the end of September and all these OPSs are still um, below 800, then, it, then it's a cause, cause for concern going into the playoffs. But right now, it seems like a whole uh, a lineup full of just cold hitters, and I, I think they'll come around. I mean, yeah, they've got a month to get things figured out. Dustin Majora coming off the DL soon. Um, I think he's on a rehab assignment right now. Mm-hmm. And Rafael Devers is hitting the cover off the ball. He's seven homers and 130 at-bats. So he's, you know, been and a huge for them. And Nunez has been a great addition as well. So they did, you know, I mean, you can look at Devers as that yeah. bat, as that guy they acquired. I mean, he's unproven. He's a rookie, so you don't know if he's going to cool off. I mean, Aaron Judge. Um, but I, I think that Devers could be that difference maker if they decide to start him every day once everybody's healthy. I mean, you look up and down that lineup, you don't really have a lot of places for him to play. Yeah. But at the same time, this is an exciting rookie and one that I've loved watching already just in the short amount of time that he's been on the field. And I think the Red Sox can have a good lineup. Like I've said, they, they have talented hitters. Pedroia is one of the most... He's honestly a French Hall of Fame candidate. He wins another ring this year. You know, there could be a, a, a case nice to be made. Yeah. yeah, so... I think that, you know, they've got some experience, they've got some young guys, it's a good balance between the two, but they just don't have that one bat that scares me, so unless Devers really starts, you know, carrying over the success that he's had, hitting over 300 and hits a couple more bombs, then maybe, you know, they'll have that fear factor in the lineup, a little punch that they've been lacking, but like you said, they don't have a single player with an OPS plus over 110, at least among qualified hitters, which is a little concerning, because it's kind of just telling you you've got to lineup of slightly above average players and it doesn't scare me especially compared to the offenses that we have in the american league right now yeah i mean it's gonna be tough playoff time because you know the astros can go out and score some runs the indians are definitely showing over the last month or so that they are a great offensive team which they weren't as as much last year they more relied on their rotation um but come playoff time they're gonna have to score runs these guys are gonna have to show up uh they're not gonna have chris sale on the mound every day so they're going to have to score more than two runs. So we'll see. I mean, their rotation's terrific. Their, their bullpen's been pitching pretty well. So and Craig Kimbrell at the back end. Yeah, never I mean, complain. he's back to being Greg Kimbrell of the past. So I, I'm not worried about the Red Sox right now, but the lineup can be a cause for concern come October 1st. So Also, I just saw a question pop up. Somebody asked if Adrian Beltre is a Hall of Famer, and that would be an absolute yes. The guy has been actually underrated for a lot of his career. He's just, you know, one of those guys that puts his head down and really just plays the game right. That does mess around a little bit, as we saw him get kicked out a couple weeks ago for moving the on-deck circle. That was hilarious. So I loved it. I mean, he got kicked out, so I, clearly the umpire didn't take too much fun to it. But at the same time, 3,000 hits. The guy's been gold glove third baseman overall, low-key, one of the best third basemen of all time. You can't argue with the fact that he's a surefire Hall of Famer. Maybe not first ballot, but will, very close. It will be close because he's been terrific defensively throughout his career. One of the one of the best defensive third basemen of all time, going along with what three thousand hits. Mm-hmm. So, I I don't see why not. He could be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but 
I mean, I guess we'll let the voters decide. Yeah, um, I think a bigger emphasis has been put on defense in the past few years with all the statistics that yeah. we have now that they didn't have back when of course. former generations were playing. So you, it was harder to quantify defense overall. I think now you know we're a little bit better at that with the advanced technology that we have. I mean, we have that whole stack cast stuff. Um, that can really tell you, especially for outfielders, yeah. you know, how efficient their routes are, how quick their first step was, um, all that kind of stuff. And it's just astounding to see you know, how well we can really judge players these days. Yeah, don't rub his head, though. Don't, don't rub, rub his head. head. He <laughs> hates that. He hates that. Everybody does it, but he does hate it. <laughs> Him and Elvis Andrews got a nice little uh, relationship over there at shortstop and third base. Mm-hmm. They, they seem like best friends out there. It's always fun to watch the Rangers. Oh, yeah. They're a good team. I think that they're probably, you know, with all the players that they have experienced in mm-hmm. the um, that have played in the postseason the past few years, you know, they get in the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if they could do, you know, some damage hurts to not have you Darvish anymore, but they've still got a decent, you know, Cole Hamels is no pushover. I think he, he's still an ace on the fringe of an ace, um, having a decent year, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, speaking of the Rangers, I mean, they're only three games out of the wild card, and, and anything can happen. You see the Orioles were like five games back two weeks ago, and they've won seven straight, and they're up to a game and a half out. So, yeah, they're... They're one of those teams that could scare me in the playoffs because they do have all those veterans that have done it, mm-hmm. been there, done that. Um, but we'll see. I Thanks for the question. Yeah, thank you. Um, our next topic is sticking with that um, playoff uh, vibe that we've been got going. Is the Cubs rotation a strength or a liability? Now they have you know the names like I was talking about um, that Boston has. They've got Arietta, They've got Lester. They've got Lackey, Hendricks. These are guys that everybody knows. Um, Hendricks almost won Cy Young last year. Same with Lester. I mean, the two were in the top three, along with Scherzer. Um, some of the best pitchers in baseball. But they've regressed a little bit, and their numbers on the whole season aren't as good. They've been a little bit better lately, yeah. although Jose Quintana has fallen off um, recently. Yeah. So that's been a little bit concerning. So Kevin posed this question to you. Do you think that the Cubs rotation is a liability or a strength for the Cubs come playoff time? The experience has to be the strength. Um, you really look at the numbers this year. Uh, I know me and, me and Matt work for the Breeze, so we were having this discussion in the office the other day about it because I think that I personally think the Cubs have the, the rotation and the team to beat the Nationals in the uh, NLDS, and he laughs every time I say that. But you look what they did last year. Um, Jake Arrieta, been pretty good this year, 3.36 ERA. John Lackey, I'm not worried about at all. He's he's proven to be a workhorse in the playoffs. I know he has the 4.98 ERA and a 10 and 10 record this year, but he's proven in the playoffs. He's a gamer. He'll go out there. He'll get you your six innings. He'll give it to the bullpen with a lead. Uh, I'm not concerned about him. Lester, one of the best playoff pitchers of all time. Uh, the numbers don't really concern me this year, because uh, here's the thing about the playoffs. I, I've said this multiple episodes, but Anything can happen come playoffs. It's, it's whoever's hot, whoever's pitching well. And they have the guys in that rotation that, that can get it done. And Hendricks, even Hendricks last year, you know, he had one of the, what, did he finish with the best ERA in the National League yeah. last year? Yeah. yeah. ERA, so, so there you go. I mean, not as good as last year, but still a 3.45 ERA. And then Quintana, um, you know, that's, that's the fifth guy of names. They don't even need five guys in the playoffs. I'm sure they'll figure it out if Lester's not healthy or, or whatever. But... I, I think it's a strength. I think the experience in that staff is a strength. It can, it can be a liability if they don't pitch well, but I think the experience is there, and I, I think the Cubs beat the Nats. I think the biggest thing for me is 
I mean, you got to look at each of these players. Arietta has been declining every year since he won Cy Young. He's having a bit of a rebound, and so I'll give him that. He's definitely been a much better pitcher this year, showing signs of his formal self. Um, I think he's easily the best starter that they have on the team right now. Lester, he's hurt. Also, hasn't had a great season, 4-3-7 ERA. Definitely not what we've been accustomed to seeing. He's 33, so he's not old. I won't give him... You know, he's still got the bottom edge of his prime. Still can't throw to bases. But yeah. yeah, still can't pick off anybody, but he can definitely throw home, all right? So I'm not too worried about him. I think that that's a formidable one-two punch as long as Lester's healthy. Those two guys at the top of the rotation are definitely a duo to be feared with. However, once you get past that, Quintana hasn't pitched in the playoffs in his career. He's also, you know, he's only pitched in that small market with the White Sox. Now he's got the big crowd, which I can't, I don't know if it's his home splits or his weight splits that have been worse, but... You know, since he's come over to um, Chicago, he had a few good starts, and he's got blown up a bit recently. He's already has a 4-5-0 ERA and nine starts with the team. So that's concerning. You'd think he'd be that number three starter. Um, so you've got a question mark there. Kendrick, uh, Hendrick, sorry. I equate him to Rick Porcello. I think that he had a career year last year, and everybody kind of freaked out about it. Um, obviously, but, Porcello got the Cy Young. And, but he's pitching well this year. He's pitching, he's pitching well. He's, he's pitching yes. well. A 3.5 ERA, that's nothing that's nothing good. But it's not ace status, is what I'm saying. It, like That doesn't scare me. I would not be I would be fine with Tanner Roark going against him in the playoffs. I, I wouldn't compare him to Rick Porcello. Because Rick Porcello... Rick Porcello is blown up. But yeah, Rick Porcello has also had some good years. I think Rick Porcello was a good pitcher for the Tigers a few years ago. He was pretty underrated. I mean, that was back when Sanchez, Scherzer, and... Uh, Verlander were all you know Cy Young candidates, and then yeah. you had Porcello in that number four spot, and Doug Fister made that rotation. And Fister and um, Porcello were actually pretty underrated guys. So I don't think Porcello's necessarily been a bad pitcher. I think he put it all together, and had a good year, and that's what I think is the same with Hendricks. Hendricks is a good pitcher, a three five ERA. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's a solid number three, low end maybe number two starter, but he doesn't scare me necessarily like. Arietta or Lester Wood. And that's that's where I think the Nats hold the edge. I mean, you have Scherzer starting game one against Arietta, which Scherzer definitely holds the edge there. You probably have Strasburg starting game two, even though it probably should be Gio Gonzalez. Strasburg holds the name pedigree. But, I mean, he just went complete game shutout yesterday and hit a home run. Um, so he's, you know, aside from injuries, he's been lights out this year. He has... A round of three ERA. It's so always, I think aside the injuries, exactly, exactly. He always gets hurt. As long as he's healthy in the playoffs, I think the Nats are going to be just fine. But between those two, then you have Gio Gonzalez. I don't see the Cubs holding an edge in any matchup except for maybe Game Four. But Roark has been uh, about nah. the same ERA in the second half as Hendricks has. He has. Hend- Roark's been turning it around, and no, that, no, it's fine. But well, where do you think the Cubs would hold an edge in a game, a five game series? Experience, I like I said, the experience. Like, look, Scherzer's pitched in look, the World Series. Okay. All right, that, that's awesome. Strasburg pitched in the NLDS. And did, how do you pitch? He pitched all right. He pitched all right. And then you got Lackey, who's pitched in the playoffs. Lackey's going to be in the bullpen. Lackey's going to be in the bullpen. Okay. If he's in the bullpen, then you have one of the best pitchers in playoff history with John Lester going out there against who? Who? Who is he going to go against? He's probably going to be the number one, number one starter. So there you go. That's against Strasburg. Scherzer against. Lester, that, that, that's a very winnable game. And if, if you can put someone out there that, that beats Scherzer, you got a big chance of winning the series. So. But, I mean, Lester has a 4-3-7 ERA this year. That's not exactly telling you. Obviously, yes, you say anything can happen in playoffs. But there, just because someone has shown up for the playoffs in the past, I'd love to point to Eli Manning, who is 
you know, heralded as one of the going greatest football, of course, playoff, going to football, going one of the ba- greatest playoff quarterbacks on of all time. Baseball podcast, and then we get we get to last season when he makes the playoffs and he just shuts down. I mean, like that happens. Kershaw has been horrible in the playoffs, and last year he pitched out of the bullpen on like two days rest to shut us down. Like anything can happen, but that goes both ways. And more often than not, players who have been good all year will be good in the playoffs. Players who have been bad all year will be bad in the playoffs. Yeah, but there's been a lot of players that there's, have had there's terrific, exceptions. There's terrific, exceptions. terrific major league seasons, full seasons, and then they get to the playoffs and they strike out 50% of the time and they do nothing for the team. But you can't predict so, that. So you can only look at what you have this year and be like, okay, I feel pretty good about what we, players we have. You can't just point you to can four also, bad players and say, oh, they show up for the playoffs. Yeah, but they do. <laughs> but that's, go, go it's through their playoff statistics. They're, they're terrific playoff pitchers, all of them. I mean, even Hendricks, didn't he pitch well in the playoffs? He did. I'm not saying he didn't. There you go. That's, that's Arietta's pitched well. Lackey has pitched well in the playoffs. Lester has pitched well in the playoffs. Hendricks has pitched well in the playoffs. And then Quintana has never pitched in the playoffs. That, that's fine. That's so what if he blows up and gives up seven runs? All right. That can happen. Just how it can happen with Hendricks. Just how it can happen with Lackey. Just how it can happen with Lester. With Roark. Yes. And yes. Obviously. It can happen with Gio. I'm not if it happens with Scherzer. But, but at the same time, you look at... The Nats pitchers, and you look at the Cubs pitchers, and the Nats pitchers stand out. This year, in every yes, matchup. This year. In every matchup. All four. Right now. Man, I cannot wait for that series. That's I'm excited for that series. That's what I've been waiting for we'll all turn season. In, turn into a Cubs fan. Now, there's not a team I dislike more than major leagues than, than the Washington Nationals. Well. And I will admit it. But I mean, as a Phillies fan, I can't argue with that. But, um, I mean, I've been waiting. I knew from game one we'd be playing the Cubs. In that first series, we talked about this before, but we played every single perennial NL contender except for the Cubs now uh, in the NLDS. We've lost the first three. So, you know, fourth time's the charm, charm as they um, never say, but should say. <laughs> so, um, I'm feeling good about a Cubs-Nats series. I mean, the Nats played a tough Cardinals team before um, that went all the way to the World Series, I believe, and lost to the Red Sox that yep. year. Um, then they lost to the Giants, who went and... Uh, won the World Series 2014, and last year they lose the Dodgers, who played the Cubs really tough in the NLCS. So, and they had Kershaw pitching, and they had Kershaw pitching out of his mind. Yes, I remember. So, I'm not worried about a playoff series with the Cubs. I mean, they're not the same team they were last year. They're hitting a lot better. They're pitching a lot better, but they're definitely not. Their bullpen is a huge concern. Their defense is nowhere near where it was last year. Ben Zobrist was a you know steady presence for them last year, and he's had a Pretty poor season, so yeah. they've had to shuffle around. Kyle Schwarber's slow start. Um, he actually hit two bombs the other day, so he is doing okay right He's now. Still a, sitting right around the Mendoza line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, but you never know. Like, you know, he was one that he didn't play all of last year. Came in in the World Series and hit the crap out of the ball. So you, you never know. You yeah. never know with these guys. That's but. that's what you gotta love about baseball. It's hard to predict. Yep. And then, we still debate about it. We, just, we got to. I mean, it's what keeps the money rolling in, right? Yeah. <laughs> all the money. Or, uh, all of it. Um, our final thing that we wanted to talk about today was the AL Cy Young race, um, which was considered for a long time to be, you know, run away for Chris Sale. I mean, he was far and away the best pitcher that was in the AL by all counts. But lately, Corey Kluber has been stepping it up a little bit, and Chris Sale's had a bit of a, a landslide. So, um, 
right now, the race looks pretty tight. I, I think Chris Sale still holds a bit of the edge, but Corey Kluber has definitely been uh, pitching the crap out of the ball. The Indians are winning behind him. They've won seven straight, and he's a big part of that. So, Kevin, who do you think right now, if, you, if the season ended today, who would be the Cy Young winner? I think it comes down to, to if the Indians can pull off getting the best record in the American League, Corey Kluber is going to be the reason why. Down the stretch, he's pitched terrifically. He's got his ERA down to 2.6 now. Uh, a ridiculous 215 strikeouts in 160 innings. Uh, he's going out game after game. And when he's out on the mound, you, you know the Indians are going to win the game. It's, it's gotten to that point. Uh, it's been like that way with Chris Sale all year, too. But I think if the Indians go on a hot, keep stay as hot as they are, and they take that that uh, best record in the American League, I I don't know how you don't give it to Corey Kluber. He, he's been terrific. Like I said, you know, I I just think it's ridiculous that he has uh, what fifty five more strikeouts than he has innings. Mm-hmm. It, it's insane. He's he's pitched lights out this year, and it, it's been great to watch. I mean, I saw, I got to see it in person. He struck out 14 against the Blue Jays earlier in the year, and I, I'd give it to I would give it to Corey Kluber right now. Yeah, I mean, I've actually been a big fan of Corey Kluber um, for a few years now. I have him on my fantasy team. Um, I kind of bought into him as that top one of those top five pitchers before yeah. the season, and he's definitely proved to be in that conversation. I mean, I think there's a top four, and there's everybody else. It's Scherzer, Kershaw, Sale, and Kluber, and then just a drop off between. You know, I, it Bum could be Garner, a huge debate Bum over Garner. who's that number five pitcher. I mean, Bumgarner hasn't pitched half the year, so when he, exactly um, put Strasburg in that conversation too. So. I think Kluber's pretty was I mean you can't call him underrated he's one of Cy Young but not a lot of people were talking about him in the first half just because of how dominant Sale was but with the slide Sale has I mean he was leading the ERA um, in all of baseball for a while but now he's down to 277 which uh, Kluber kind of, actually kind of falling off the table honestly really I mean it, he's in danger of getting up to close to the three I mean his he still leads the league in strikeout per nine a 12.8 which is um, you know, absolutely ridiculous. That leads both the AL and the NL. Yep. But Kluber has a 12, 12.0 K per nine. So he's striking out batters at a, a normal rate. I mean, you said 14 against the Blue Jays. That outing you went to. Um, the whip is also an AL low. He doesn't have the wins. Sale leads in wins, which voters have valued in recent years, which is kind of annoying, which to be honest. Because Rick Porcello, yeah. because he got run support last year. I still think Zach Britton deserves the sign, but we'll, you know, we'll dive into that. Um, so it kind of depends on, you know, I think Kluber has been the better pitcher by non-traditional numbers, and, you know, Sale's got the wins. He's got an ERA right around the same as Kluber, and he's leading in strikeouts. So... If that's what the voters still value the most, then we could be seeing Sale um, taking the Cy Young. But I think that Kluber has been the better pitcher and uh, that the he's, Indians are better for it. He's ar- he's arguably on the better team, too. And mm-hmm. you look at the ERA plus uh, for, for Kluber, it's 176. And for uh, Sale, it's 165. So, you know, he's really pulled ahead as a better pitcher in 11, 11 points better than that, 11% better than the average. Um, I think it's towards the end of the year, it's, it's going to go to the pitcher that is pitching well the second half of the season, not the first half, over the guy that's pitching well. So with Jake Arrieta. Yep, exactly. So if, if you're pitching well in the second half over a, another guy who's kind of struggling in the second half, then you're going to win it. And I think I think it's hands down going to be Corey, Corey Kluber with this. 
Cy Young, and I think he deserves it. I mean, you look at the numbers and they tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, I don't think the Cy Young has valued, at least the voters for Cy Young have valued winning as much as uh, MLB uh, MVP has. You know, because people talk about value, and they're like, you can't be valuable if you're on a losing team. But um, with the Cy Young, you know, it's all about just like who's the best pitcher. So I think that's where help kind of helps sail is that you know people aren't really looking at how good is the Red Sox, how good are the Red Sox, how good are the Indians, and that's where I'm going to make my pick. It's more of you know just comparing raw numbers um, to raw numbers. You look at Felix Hernandez when he uh, won his Cy Young, won it with what twelve wins. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, which that's that's, good. that's how it should be. Yeah, exactly. They should not penalize. I think Cy Young is the award. They should not penalize you for the team you're on. Mm-hmm. I don't whereas MVP, whereas MVP, maybe they should. I one exception. I think John Carlos Dan should win in the National League. I think Paul if Paul's he hits more. if he hits sixty home runs, I don't know how you don't give it to him. I mean, if Paul Goldschmidt's the better player, he, I mean, Goldie's got what thirty five homers right now. I don't off the top of my head. I think that's around where he's at right now. I mean, that's no, that's no small feat either. He's going to hit 40. He also steals bases. He hits for higher average. Uh, better better first baseman than uh, Stanton is an outfielder. Stanton's got a gun, but he doesn't have the range. Love? They love the home run ball. And I'm not saying what people should. What, he, what, he, what, what people will do, I'm thinking what's saying what they should do. I'd, I'd be interested to see the second half comparison between Goldschmidt oh, yeah. and well, Stanton. Stanton's probably hitting like 380 with... <laughs> He, he had 18 home runs in, Ar- in August. It's just <laughs> insane. But, yeah, that's kind of off topic. But. No, but I think I was actually bummed out when um, when Stanton got hit in the face a couple of years ago because he was on pace to win. He, it was him and Kershaw were the two finalists for MVP. That's when Kershaw did go on to win it. But that kind of sealed the deal for him was that they lost Stanton for the year. Yep. And it, it was hard to see because, you know, this is a guy who's just such raw power. It's so much fun to watch, and it's good for baseball to have him on the field. I mean, he's a great all-around guy, uh, just wants to win, and, you know, you got to respect and that. You know, Even though he's in our division, I mean, it's not kind of hard to hate the Marlins at this point. Um, yeah. Easy to hate the Mets I was, and the Braves. I was actually thinking about this today. I was, I, was watching some highlights about the, uh, I was watching some highlights of the Marlins game last night, and, you know, you really go up and down their lineup, they could be a contending team. They needed a little bit of a rotation help, a little bit of help in the bullpen, but... It's all there, and I think it'll be interesting to see what Derek Jeter and, and that ownership group, when they come in, what they do. Mm-hmm. Because I think now you maybe hold on to Giancarlo Stanton. You hold on to all these guys, and you, you pay their contracts. You retain all of them, and then you, you build a rotation, uh, go out and get some bullpen help. Because you know the Mets are showing that they're not there, mm-hmm. and the Braves aren't going to be there for a couple of years. The Phillies aren't going to be there for a couple of years. So you easily get a wild card spot, even, you know, Build that rotation enough, they can maybe compete with the with the Nationals. But you never know. Uh, not playing well this year, other than Giancarlo Stanton and, mm-hmm. and Ozuna and Yelich. But yeah, JT Realmuto has had a good season. Yeah, too. Justin Bohr has been on the DL for a while, which has been hard. Yeah, he was playing. He was an All Star. Yep. No, he was not. Oh, well, he was just on the. He was on the home run. He was in the home run derby. But yep. he had arguably All Star numbers mm-hmm. going into the All Star break. So it it will be very interesting to see what the Marlins do down the stretch. But um, it, it will be exciting, you know. They say off season is the best best time for baseball fans because it's, it's all just shifting around. It's honestly what makes it what part of what makes it one of the best sports. I think is that the off season just like the winter meetings is one of my favorite you know, parts of winter. Like it's honestly like Christmas uh, to have you know your team goes in with this need, this need, and this need, and they're going around and you're hearing all these rumors. I mean, 
for a while I thought Ioannis Cespedes was going to be a nap for a, yeah. a bit, and he's one of my favorite players, so I was super excited about that when it was tough going to, on. Tough to see his season over now. Oh, the I know. Shut him down for the rest of the year, but... I mean, that's just been the story of the Mets all year. Is yeah. They've just been shutting everybody down. Michael Conforto, um, I haven't heard if he's actually getting surgery, but he was recommended for it a couple days ago. Um, it's sad because he's one of the players that broke out for them this he's year. He's one of the players that they think they're going to build around in the yeah. future. I mean, David Wright still has not played a game for them this year. That's, Jose that's Reyes another has been sad. Bad. That's yeah. another sad. It's, and then Syndergaard, Torn Lat. I mean, you just go down the list. Injuries. And, no, you know, I think I, I read a tweet the other day that said that Jerry Blevins, and who's a reliever, yep. and Jacob deGrom, one of their starters, are the only two players on the team that have not hit the disabled list this year or been demoted. On their 25-man roster. On, on their 40-man roster that have either not been in That's the minors bad. or um, That's bad. Uh, injured this year. So, I mean, at that point, you got to think training staff. It's also it's also bad luck. I mean, but uh, where does the point where, some, there's, there's, there's got to be, be a point where it's not there. luck in there? Well, obviously, there's got to be some bad luck, but like, like at some point, you got to start holding the trainers accountable. And they fired their trainers like two years ago. Just like the Dodgers, the Dodgers have not dealt outside of Kershaw. They haven't dealt with that many injuries this year, and that's and, you know, really helped them. Matt Bellinger was on the DL, but he's about to come back. Sure, but they've all been short stints, and you know yeah. they. A got, no I mean, long-term the injuries. only real, like, there have been two long-term injuries. One was Andre Ethier. Was, I don't even think he's played this year, but they haven't needed him. And then the other was Agon, which paved the way for well, Cody Bellinger. Well, and Kershaw. But, oh, yes, and they, obviously. And, they, and they, they played terrific without him. Mm-hmm. They didn't even need him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they get the best pitcher in baseball back. So, I mean, they've actually lost four straight. So, right now, they're just uh, scuffling. Yeah, 90 wins in August. Hey, so. Diamondbacks have won six in a row, and they just swept the Dodgers. So, I mean... Telling you they're going to be that team to beat in the playoffs. I think yeah, they're going still, to give the, still seventeen games separating the two. <laughs> seventeen games up on the second place. They team. have they have who the best record. The fir- who has the first place wild card by by three games? Six games over the the team that's three games out. That that's just ridiculous. So the, the Dodgers are twenty three games up. They have the, the biggest card. division lead in baseball right now. Well, they're twenty three games up in the wild card. Mm-hmm. Like if you really want to play that game. <laughs> I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're That's gonna lose insane. a spot or anything. I'm just saying. Um, it's crazy. It's impressive to see the D-backs make that kind of run against. I'll them. be excited to see what the Dodgers can do in the playoffs with their rotation, that lineup, and. I think a Diamondbacks Dodgers series is going to be so much fun to watch. I'm, I'm, in terms of what game one, I could. Well, it wouldn't be a game one then, actually, because they pitched cranky and Robbie the, Ray, the though. Robbie Ray, Robbie Ray Kershaw, the two Zach Gosselin probably do two. Um, they have a lot of. They start four lefties out of five games in a five-game series. Yeah. They only have I mean, one righty. Um, who was uh, the the Dodgers had that same issue before they traded for Yu Darvish? They had a bunch of lefties. Well, that, no, that's what I'm saying. The Dodgers, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yu Darvish is the only righty they would start in a playoff game, uh, which is kind of crazy to think about. And Diamondbacks have hit lefties really well this year, so that's an interesting storyline in itself. Remember last year, a big thing for the Dodgers was that they couldn't hit lefties. There was a big uh, mantra about that, and it was part of. Why people said that um, they yeah, run them I mean, in trouble. They had guys in their lineup like Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson literally could not hit a left hander. He had mm-hmm. a platoon and mm-hmm. he's a great power hitter, but can't hit a lefty, can't put him out there. So, um, yeah, as you can see, me and Matt love talking about the playoffs and the potential matchups. <laughs> yes. And so, we are speculative. We, we, we can sure. make the topics we're going to talk about concrete, but we'll, we'll still go into the playoff talk because it, it's just so exciting. Some of these teams. Um, it's going to be great to watch. And send us questions. I mean, we use Periscope, as I said before. We've got uh, the questions are popping up on the screen as we're talking. We're actually looking at ourselves on Kevin's iPad, so um, yep. a little daunting. So don't be uh, afraid to you know send in topics. 
So thanks. Uh, I think that's going to wrap us up for today. Thank you again for joining in to another episode of Visitors Bullpen. I'm Matt. Follow me on Twitter at Matt Talk Sports. Kevin at Kevin R. Haswell. Uh, follow us both at, at Visitors Bullpen. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, or Blog Talk Radio, wherever you want to find us. Um, we're on there. So thank you all again for joining us. Kevin, you have a good one. Yep. And if you uh, missed any of the episode today, you know, you tuned in and you had to go out and do something. Like he said, you can check us out on uh, you can check us out on iTunes. Subscribe to us, and the episode will be up later today. So thanks cool. for joining us, guys. Thanks. See you next week.